0: They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? I'd like to thank Keeps for its continued support of the Peter Schiff Show podcast. Keeps makes easy and affordable hair loss treatment for men. To receive your first month of treatment for free, just go to keeps.com gold. Well, today we ended a volatile week in the stock market on a down note. All four of the major stock market indexes were down. In fact, the Dow Jones ended the day down better than 600 points, 602 points. That's just over 2%. S&P, a little bit better, down 1.9%. NASDAQ and small caps, well, NASDAQ down 2%. So just as bad as the Dow. It was the small caps, Russell 2000, that uh, only lost 1.5%. And that's probably because you had a lot of these heavily shorted names that are in the Russell 2000 that were among the few winners on the day. In fact, this is the biggest down week the market has had, I think, since October of last year. In fact, we just finished the month of January, and both the Dow and the S&P are down on the month. I think the S&P is down about 1%. The Dow lost about twice that much. Uh, down 2%. The Russell 2000 and NASDAQ are still positive on the year. They were down on the week. Everything was down this week. But those two indexes were positive on the year. But there's an old uh, Wall Street saying about the January effect. So goes January, so goes the year. And if that's the case, we're in for a rough year because we had a very rough January. In particular, the hedge funds, because the hedge funds are supposed to do better because they're hedged, right? And in in many cases, that means they're both long and short. The problem is a lot of the stocks that the hedge funds are short are the ones that went up the most. In fact, this is the biggest Uh, rally in the most heavily shorted stocks that we've ever seen. And so the hedge funds are really hemorrhaging, at least the ones that were short those names, because not only did they lose money on their longs because the market is down, but they lost even more money on their shorts and they're supposed to make money on their shorts when the market goes down. Instead, they took it in the shorts because of a massive short squeeze that put a lot of pressure uh, on their short positions. And the short squeeze continued today. You know, what ended up happening yesterday was, and I I did my podcast on Wednesday, and on Thursday, you had Robinhood and some of these other uh, discount online brokerage firms actually suspended trading in a lot of these names, in particular GameStop, but not just GameStop, a lot of other stocks that were part of this short squeeze. And that created a huge backlash because the question is, why was trading halted? There are a lot of people that think that the reason it happened is that the hedge funds put a lot of pressure on the brokerage firms to stop trading in these stocks because it was causing them losses. Because remember, companies like Robinhood, they let you trade for free. Well, there's no such thing as a free lunch. I mean, if you're trading for free, how's Robinhood making any money? Well, the business model for Robinhood is they sell the order flow. So they take the orders that they give their customers for free and they sell them to these hedge funds who make money off of them. In many cases, they're trading against them and that's how they make money. So they're the big customers because they're the ones that are actually paying the bills. And so maybe some of these big hedge funds called up Robinhood and said, hey, wait a minute, you better shut this down. Because we could go out of business and if we go out of business, you're out of business because we're the ones that are paying the bills. We're the ones that are actually paying for the trades. The rest of your customers are getting the trades free. Now, obviously, if that is what happened, that is a very bad uh, for the brand uh, of Robinhood. After all, what did Robinhood do? Well, he took from the rich and gave to the poor. Well, if it turns out they're trying to take from the poor or not necessarily the poor, but take from the little guy and give to the fat cat, if that's what Robin Hood is really all about, well, then the merry men are going to leave. Now, maybe that's not why it happened. And Robin Hood, by the way, did reinstitute trading today in those names. And that sparked a rally. Although even though they had announced the prior day that they would resume trading in these stocks, once people started trading they were informed that there were limits on the size of the position. And in fact, in many cases, people were limited to just one share of stock. That's it, that's all they could buy. So if the stock was $20, you can invest $20. That was your maximum. And it applied to a lot of stocks. I mean, not just these heavily shorted stocks, but a lot of stocks that have absolutely nothing to do with the short squeeze also had this one share limit imposed. I mean, you can sell any number of shares you wanted if you already owned them. And if you own more than a share, I mean, they didn't force you to sell down to a share. But if you wanted to make a new buy, one share was all you can do. Now, again, I don't know why they included so many names in the list. I mean, maybe they're trying to cover their tracks. So, oh, no, no, we're not just imposing it on these stocks. You know, it's not just GameStop. You know, or AMC, you know, we look, 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 we got General Motors or whatever they were doing. So maybe it was just to cover the tracks or maybe there was some legitimate reason uh, that they had to do it. I have no idea. But Robin Hood claims that its reasons for halting these trades had nothing to do with pressure that was being put on them uh, from the hedge funds who were losing money as these stocks were going up. They said it was for their own uh, financial interest that somehow all of these orders that they were getting and executing for free were actually causing a financial drain on the company. And for the health of the company, they had to put a stop to uh, these orders and now you even have politicians that are you know coming into this and getting involved AOC, the leader of the squad, is now saying, oh, no, this just shows that we need more Wall Street regulation. We need more taxes. We need taxes on trading. We need government to look into this. Look, the last thing we need is more government. I mean, government is the problem. The Federal Reserve is the problem. We'd be better off getting rid of the security regulations that we have and have an even freer market when it comes to uh, investing than cracking down even heavier. But I have a feeling that that is ultimately going to be the result of all this, and a lot of people are going to lose money. You know, people were uh, upset, or some people anyway, that I wasn't. You know, coming to the defense of the Reddit guys and uh, the Wall Street bets people for trying to take down these evil hedge funds and trying to get in on these stocks, and and, and why wasn't I siding uh, with the people trying to throw a monkey wrench in the system and take down Wall Street? And look, I understand the sentiment there. I'm talking about it from an investment perspective. And I get it. I think the short squeeze on these stocks was a brilliant move. And I think the people that organized it and got in early, you know, they had a home run. They had a, you know, a once in a lifetime trade. There were some tremendous profits that were made as a result of this epic short squeeze. Uh, But this is not new. I mean, This isn't the first time there's been a short squeeze. I mean, these guys didn't invent it. I mean, there's been short squeezes as long as there's been shorts. And that's part of the risk that you take uh, when you short a stock. I mean, there's no trade that's without risk. I mean, these companies are going bankrupt. And some of these hedge funds, you know, got a little greedy in that they overly shorted these stocks because they thought they were just picking up free money, but they forgot uh, to cover their asses and they... uh, minimize the potential risk of a short squeeze. The only thing that's new about this short squeeze is the way it was organized on the internet in a chat room. And that, you know, they never had one uh, where you had, you know, a platform like Robinhood where this was carried out or uh, a network like CNBC, like covering the whole thing, like blow by blow, like they're, they're covering a sporting event. So this was a very high profile short squeeze, but the concept is still the same. Maybe the players are a little bit different. But what I'm concerned about is the smaller investors who don't understand this concept, who have actually bought stocks like GameStock and who paid $200 a share, $300 a share, $400 a share, even $50 a share, and who haven't sold, who are just holding on, who have been encouraged to continue to hold. And in many cases, I think some of the people that are online that are encouraging other people not to sell are are themselves selling. I mean, that's what I think. I mean, you can't just believe everything that you read in a chat room. I mean, people who don't even know who you are may not have your best interests at heart. I mean, they may be pumping up the stock precisely because they want to dump it. So if they want the price of the stock to go up and you own it, they don't want you to sell it because it's you're not selling it. That makes the price go even higher and allows them to cash out at a, at a bigger price. I'm just afraid that there's going to be a lot of small guys who have been led astray and maybe they think they're doing this just to stick it to the man. And maybe they think, oh, they don't care if they lose money. We'll see. And I believe when they do lose money, that's when the government is going to swoop in with more unneeded and unnecessary regulation, you know, to protect the little guy, which is going to make it even worse for the little guy. You know, one of the reasons that the little guy uh, is on his own is because the government has made it so expensive for professionals to work with the little investors that they refuse to do it. It is so expensive now that... Brokerage firms have raised their minimum account size to a level that's so high that a lot of people can't afford to get professional advice so they get no advice at all or they get advised by by shysters you know All of this supposedly to protect the little guy, they actually ended up protecting the little guy out of any decent investment advice. You know, it would be much better if the little guy had no protection at all, and then he can, you know, go into the market and hire somebody to help them that knew what they were doing. Instead, they're at the mercy of the people who could prey on them because the only people that don't get regulated are the criminals. All the honest guys, all the good guys, who would have done a good job anyway, can't work with these people because the government made it too expensive. They can't afford it. And, you know, it's not just because the reputable guys are honest and they just want to do the right thing because they're good people. And of course, a lot of them, uh, they do that. I mean, a lot of them are, are, have a high character and, you know, they want to do what's right for their customers. But even if they're not guided by a moral compass, they're guided by their own greed, right? If you want to make money in the investment industry, the best way to do that is to do a good job for your clients over the long run. Because if you do that, then you're going to retain your clients. You're going to get referrals. I mean, that's true in any uh, business that you could run. Every entrepreneur wants satisfied customers. Regardless of their motivation, they need to satisfy their customers that they want to make money, which of course they do, which is why they're in business. Uh, So I think the public would be better served by a vibrant free market rather than government bureaucrats because of all these security laws there are a lot fewer broker-dealers out there. There's far fewer of them around because they can't afford to stay in business. And the ones that are left after the government, you know, raised the barrier to entry so high, you know, they won't take the small investors because they lose money on every account because of all the regulatory requirements and burdens that go into opening the accounts and maintaining the accounts. You just can't make any money off the small investors, so you have to refuse to serve them. So if there was no regulation... Yes. Is it possible that some of these small investors might get ripped off? Sure. They're getting ripped off now anyway. So, you know, why not let them get ripped off in a free market versus a government controlled market? But the reality is the cost of government protection exceeds whatever is being stolen, meaning that the cost to the public, you know, because all of the regulatory and compliance costs ends up getting built in. Uh, to the fees and the commissions. And you may say, well, how is that possible for the guys that have free trading? They have free trading because they don't give any advice. It's all unsolicited. It's all automated. They don't do anything to help the little guy. But if you want to talk about a full service broker, the people that actually try to help the little guy understand what he's doing and making a more informed decision, right? The cost of that type of service is a lot higher than it would be absent all this government intervention. And so the... The cost of all this regulation that is ultimately borne by the investor, those costs far exceed any amount that would be stolen if none of these uh, regulations existed. I can tell you from experience that losing your hair sucks. In fact, two out of three guys will experience hair loss by the time they're 35. My hairline started receding in my 20s. And what I ended up doing about it was using minoxidil. Of course, at the time, it was very expensive. It was under patent. And eventually, I found a friend in Spain who started buying it over there and shipping it to me so I could actually afford to buy it. And it dramatically slowed down the rate at which my hairline receded. Well, the good news is you don't have to buy it from a drug company that's got a patent. And you don't have to have a friend in Spain who will smuggle it in for you, you can buy keeps keeps is affordable. And the sooner you start using keeps, the more hair you'll save. So act fast. Many men even experience hair regrowth from using keeps. The best part is you don't even need to go to a doctor's office. All you need to do is to visit the Keeps website from the privacy of your own home. You'll get the medical attention you need and a discreet drug delivery from the comfort and the privacy of your own phone. Keeps offers their products at half the cost of your local pharmacy. So you don't have to go broke to avoid going bald. So keep your hair and your money. Keeps treatments start at just $10 a month. So to take action and prevent hair loss, get your first month of treatment for free by going to keeps.com/gold. That's keeps k e e p s dot com slash gold for your first month of treatment, absolutely free. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. But more importantly, what I want to talk about today is not these heavily shorted stocks that the guys at Reddit and Wall Street Bets are buying But I want to talk about what they started buying yesterday and what they continue to buy today. It's almost as if these guys were listening to Wednesday's podcast, which I titled the mother of all short squeezes is yet to come. And what I was referring to was the short squeeze that I anticipate happening in gold and silver. And sure enough, that's exactly what they focused on. On Thursday, you go to the Wall Street Beats in the chat room there, and now they've turned their attention on silver in particular. They want to break the banks, JP Morgan in particular for having short positions in silver and manipulating the silver market. And I read some of the stuff in this chat room. Really good stuff. I mean, very informed information when it comes to the state of the market. They hit on many of the same points that I did in my podcast about how much uh, silver has been shorted that doesn't exist, how many people have sold uh, futures contracts where they have committed to deliver silver where they have no silver at all. You know, at least when you short a stock, in theory, you're supposed to borrow the stock before you sell it. So you're selling something that you have because you borrowed it and now you have it to sell. But you can go into the COMEX and you can just sell silver. You don't have to borrow it first. You can just sell as much as you want. You don't have to have any of it. And the reason you can keep selling all this silver that you don't have is because you know that the guy that's buying it from you doesn't actually want it. He's not going to ask for the real silver. He's just going to close out the contract for cash or maybe roll it over into another month. But they pointed out, hey, what if... You take a futures contract and, and and take delivery. Now the short is stuck because you know, unlike GameStop, they can issue new shares. They can't magically create new physical silver to be bought by the shorts to deliver. So they pointed this out, but their argument was look, let's buy the physical. They recommended buying SLV. Uh, which is a silver ETF. They also recommended buying physical silver coins and bars. They listed a number of dealers that they recommended. Unfortunately, nobody mentioned Shift Gold. That would have been nice if they had included Shift Gold in there. They included uh, several of our competitors, though, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't include us. Uh, but they talked about buying physical silver. And they also focused on one silver stock in particular. First, majestic AG was the symbol. The stock actually gapped up by forty percent uh, yesterday morning. Uh, had another big gap up again this morning. Uh, in both cases, the stock closed quite a bit lower than it opened. You know, one of the problems with a lot of these guys who are trading off these chat rooms. Is they're not that sophisticated. They just put in market orders, and you're just going to get eaten for lunch if that's how you buy. You know, when a lot of these small orders come in all at once, or they bid up the market uh, in the evening session, they gap these stocks up. The sellers uh, a step back, and you have all these unsophisticated. A guy is just rushing in with market orders, and they just fight. You know, you know, they bid bid one another uh, against one another, and the price goes way up. And people made a lot of money. I think what some of the more sophisticated people did is they immediately sold uh, the uh, first majestic shares they had. And maybe traded into some other uh, silver stocks that didn't move up as much because they weren't the subject of the hype, but maybe they were obviously better valuations. And so they did that. Some people just might have taken advantage of the spike to go to cash for a while and they want to buy back the next dip. But the big difference between what they're doing now with silver and with you know silver mining stocks. And what they're doing with these heavily shorted stocks is when these guys are going in and buying GameStop, they're buying an overvalued company that was probably going to go bankrupt. Now, it may be a smart trade from the perspective of a short squeeze if you can get out in time. Because remember, the only people who are going to make money off the short squeeze are the people who sell into the rally. If you just hold on through the entire thing, you're going to be a big loser, But the big difference is GameStop and these other companies are overpriced. In many cases, the companies aren't worth anything because they're going to go bankrupt. And some of them may not go bankrupt. They may survive, but at a much lower price than the price that people are now paying to buy the stock. So you can't buy and hold uh, these investments. On the other hand, silver... The current price of silver, and by the way, silver was up at one point today about a dollar. It lost about half its gains. It closed up about 50 cents. Gold, that was up maybe about 28, $29 at the highs, it ended up just up about four or $5. In fact, the GLD, the gold ETF, finished slightly negative on the day, as did the gold and silver mining stocks. By the way, they were all down on the month as well. And so was the price of gold. The dollar actually was slightly stronger uh, during the month of, uh, of January as well. But buying silver at $27 an ounce, that's a great buy. Buying silver stocks at their current price, is a great buy. Yes, these guys shouldn't be rushing in with market orders. They should put in limits and be a little bit more patient. But even based on some of these lousy fills that some of these guys got by buying the open yesterday and buying the open today, yeah, they're underwater right now. But I think if they hold on to these stocks and maybe add to it at lower prices and try to average down their positions a little bit, I think they're going to make a tremendous amount of money. These are good quality investments. Silver is cheap. Silver stocks are a bargain as far as I'm concerned. So rather than buying overpriced stocks, supposedly to make a point and a political statement, you can make a much better political statement, a much better point by buying some physical silver and buying some silver stocks, because then you could stick it to the billion banks who are short and also make some money for yourself. That is a much better outcome. Now, I actually heard from Shift Gold because one of our clients sent an email who has a Robinhood account And they stopped him from buying SLV. I had no idea. Nobody reported on that, that they were preventing people from buying SLV because that's got nothing to do with these short squeeze stocks. I mean, you could argue, oh, people are just trying to manipulate the market. They're just buying these stocks, even though they're overpriced, just because it's part of an organized short squeeze. But that's not the case with SLV. I mean, people could just buy silver because they think silver is a good a asset to own. I think it's underpriced. It makes no sense unless there is some type of volume problem. I mean, I don't really know what these dynamics are. Maybe for some reason they were getting all these orders that the funds that normally buy the order flow weren't paying for it. And so maybe Robinhood had to actually execute the orders uh, and pay for them. And they were paying the execute these orders, but they were, they were doing the trades for free. So that could turn their entire business model upside down. If they're able to sell their order flow and make a profit that way, but now the people who normally buy the flow don't want it anymore, and now they actually have to pay to execute this, and volume has gone through the roof, if they're losing money on every trade, that is a big problem. And maybe that is the reason that they had to halt the trading is because they were losing too much money. But the question is, will the Reddit guys, will they actually be able to succeed and cause the price of silver to make as big a move as the moves that we've seen in these heavily shorted stocks? And the answer to that question is no. Because these heavily shorted stocks had a much, much smaller float and were much more easily manipulated in this organized short squeeze. It is not going to be nearly as easy to move the price of silver, either in the physical market or through the ETF. It's too big a market Relative to the size of uh, this group. And again, I think the Reddit Raiders had help. I think there were some big players that were also involved. I mean, maybe they allowed the little guys to be the front men and they were in the back because that was part of the story to encourage the little guys to buy and hold, right, and not sell. It was all this army of small guys getting revenge for the 2008 financial crisis and taking down the big guy. So to the extent that there were some other big guys that were contributing to this and profiting from it, it wouldn't be the right PR if, you know, they were they were public about it. So they were kind of quiet and they had these front men, right, that more fit, you know, fit the profile of what they wanted everybody to think, right? Because it was like, hey, why don't you help one hedge fund take down another hedge fund? That's not as sexy a story. I mean, people aren't going to go to the mattresses, uh, you know, and maybe lose money on purpose to enrich somebody who's already rich. But if you can turn it into a cause, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there are people who are willing to lose money for a cause. I mean, people have risked their lives. People have given their lives for a cause that they believed in. So if you get people to think of this transaction as a cause, as a fight worth fighting, and the only thing you have to sacrifice is some money, well, then people might be willing to do it. But they wouldn't be willing to do it to help enrich somebody who's already rich. So that would have to happen behind the scenes. And I think that's going on. But I don't think there is any uh, big money that is working behind the scenes in this silver trade. I think this really is... Uh, David versus Goliath. And in this case, you know, know, I think Goliath can win. So I don't really think that this is going to have that much of an impact on the market. I just hope that these guys who are buying the silver and the silver stocks hold on to the buys because the market's going up anyway. It's not going to go up because of what they're doing. It would have gone up anyway. They did cause GameStop and all these other stocks to go up they're not going to cause a big move up in silver or silver stocks. I mean, they did for a day or two, but it didn't have that big an effect. I mean, you can see where the market closed yesterday. You can see where it closed today. Yes, marginal gains, but nothing like the gains that we saw in those short stocks. So I hope they don't become discouraged uh, by the failure of their effort to immediately bear fruit because it's not. But if everybody is patient They will make a tremendous amount of money, I think, in silver and silver stocks. Now, what would be good is if their effort actually inspired maybe some bigger players around the world, right? If this shines a light on a problem because the little guys were able to take down the hedge funds, they're not going to take down the shorts in, in gold and silver. They need help from much bigger players. But those bigger players are out there. There are bigger players on the global stage who could actually join in this fight. If they actually smell blood and maybe the little guys have awakened them to this idea, hey, wait a minute, they're right. They're right about the shorts in gold and silver. They're right about how undervalued these metals are and how vulnerable the big banks like JP Morgan are uh, to a big run up in the price of silver and in the price of gold then it might actually happen. I mean, they could be the spark that ignites a much, much bigger fire. And in that case, maybe their efforts would be successful. But left to their own devices, this this fight is too big. They won't be able to have the same success uh, that they had with these heavily shorted stocks. But they will be more successful in that they'll make money. Yes, some of the people that got in on this short squeeze and who have already sold made a ton of money, but the vast majority of people buying into this are going to lose money. That won't be the case for the people buying physical silver. So long as they don't panic and sell right away because they didn't get an immediate gain. If they hold on to these investments and in fact, use this as the beginning of an accumulation, right? If they start to buy more silver and more silver stocks, build up a portfolio right because a lot of the stuff that's being written in these chat rooms now a lot of this, there's a lot of good accurate information about inflation about the fed and you know it's so much better if a lot of these small guys uh buy gold and silver or physical silver Then buy Bitcoin. You know, there are a lot of people on uh, Robinhood that were buying cryptocurrencies because Robinhood has the cryptocurrencies on their platform. And by the way, there was an announcement late in the day, just before I uh, started recording this podcast, that now Robinhood is also making it more difficult to buy Bitcoin or the other cryptocurrencies that they allow on their platform. Now, they're saying it's temporary. They're putting a temporary halt on instant crypto buying and what that is is they allow people to transfer money in from their bank accounts to their Robinhood account and then immediately buy crypto before these transactions settle they've put a halt on that so if you want to bring new money in to your Robinhood account and then buy crypto, you have to wait. I'm not really sure how many days you have to wait before they're going to clear the transaction. So this, again, is slowing down the buying of crypto. I guess if you already have the money in your account, then you can buy. It's just a, a restriction on how easily you can buy crypto with new money. But to the extent that some people that were being led astray you know, by uh, similar you know, pump and dumps into buying crypto... If they end up buying silver instead, then that's great because unlike you know cryptocurrencies that are going to eventually collapse, silver is eventually going to go way up. So this is what people should be hodling—not cryptocurrencies, not Bitcoin, but physical silver. That's much better. That's a legitimate, real store of value. Silver has been money for for you know a long time, uh, and it will continue to be money. And so. This is another positive development that's coming out of this. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because the mainstream media is barely covering the silver story. I mean, they talk about it, but nothing compared how much attention they're giving to uh, the short squeeze. So I don't even think they really want to focus any more attention on on silver or more importantly the motivation behind why they chose it like all of a sudden hey why is silver what they're buying out why did they move from being short uh retailers to buying physical silver, right? What's the connection? Why are they doing that? What's motivating them, right? What is what is behind this? They don't even wanna know, or if they know, they certainly don't wanna disseminate that information. They were very quick to disseminate all this other information, but they really don't want people buying physical silver, which is another reason why you should buy it. Whatever the establishment really doesn't want you to buy, whatever the mainstream uh, investing crowd says, oh, no, you don't wanna buy that, Uh, you know, that's what you want to buy. I mean, CNBC is too interested in pumping people into crypto and getting people to do that. That's why a lot of these crypto people should be suspicious. Why does CNBC want me to buy it so badly, right? Well, why does everybody who comes on that network bullish on Bitcoin? Why are all their hosts bullish on Bitcoin? Why don't they have any bears on? I mean, you think you're so anti-establishment. You got the entire investment establishment on CNBC in your corner, Don't think you're the contrarian when you've got CNBC basically touting what you're buying. What they don't want their viewers to buy is physical silver. And that's obvious uh, by the way they're really burying this story. I mean, they mentioned it briefly, uh, but they gave it nowhere near the coverage uh, that they're giving uh, to uh, the shorts. And while I am on the topic of Bitcoin, that was the other big story of the day. Because while everything but the most heavily shorted stocks was tanking, Bitcoin was rising. Now gold and silver rose as well and surrendered, uh, you know, a good chunk of their their gains. And Bitcoin surrendered some of its gains, but it still managed the day with a big gain. But Bitcoin rose from about thirty-two hundred a coin, and it was sinking. Uh, late last night, early this morning. And I think Bitcoin probably would have broken below 30,000 today, but for this one tweet. And that was a tweet from Elon Musk. And that sent the price of Bitcoin probably within an hour rising from about 3,200 to above 3,800. So you had a $600 per Bitcoin rise in a very short period of time. I don't know what that is, 15%, whatever that is. Huge increase. Actually, I just calculated it's almost 19%. So close to a 20% spike in the price of Bitcoin based on one tweet. And I am going to read the tweet. Or basically, it's not just a tweet, it's a tweet that explained a change to the Elon Musk Twitter profile. So what Elon Musk did is below his name in his Twitter bio, He added hashtag Bitcoin and and put a B on it, right? That's all he did. He added the word Bitcoin. And then in a tweet that has 472,000 likes as I am recording this, 472,000 likes, 54.8 thousand retweets. That is one hell of a tweet. Here is the tweet in retrospect It was inevitable. That's it. So he puts the hashtag pound Bitcoin under his name and he writes, in retrospect, it was inevitable. That is what sent Bitcoin up almost 20%. Now, did Elon Musk say that he's buying Bitcoin? No, he didn't say that. But everybody assumes that that's what he's going to do. They assume that maybe he's going to start buying Bitcoin for uh, Tesla or for SpaceX or whatever. But Elon Musk didn't say anything of the kind. He simply added the word Bitcoin to his description and said it was inevitable. What was inevitable? Maybe it was inevitable that he would put a Bitcoin up there because Bitcoin is popular. Look, Elon Musk enjoys being on Twitter. I think he has a lot of fun with Twitter, just like Donald Trump did. And I think he has a lot of fun playing games. And I think he's playing games with Bitcoin, just like he was paying games with GameStop. And by the way, a lot of people were making fun of me on my last podcast because I didn't understand that GameStonk was a meme. I mean, I didn't know what he meant by GameStonk because that's what he tweeted out, GameStonk, as opposed to... A GameStop apparently stonk is a way to refer to stocks stonks but so what Elon Musk's tweet didn't say I'm gonna buy GameStop no he didn't say anything about whether he thought he was gonna buy it or anyone else should buy he just tweeted out GameStonk. that's it that's all he did did the same thing with Bitcoin I mean, I think Elon Musk knows, hey, I'm just going to tweet out Bitcoin and I'm going to watch everybody run and buy Bitcoin. Like he's like, you know, with a puppet, he's pulling the strings and he wants to see what he can do with his 44.2 million followers. So he didn't say he's going to buy Bitcoin for himself, that he's going to buy it for his companies. He didn't even express an opinion. He just added the word to his Twitter account, because he thinks he's gonna get more engagement, he's gonna get more people uh, following him, and it's going to increase his influence in the internet. Right, The more people following him, the more people that he can influence. That's all that's going on. I think he is using the Bitcoin hodlers. I think he knows how much influence he has because he's a respected guy, he's a smart guy, he's a wealthy guy. You know what people think? Oh my God. Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. What if he puts all his money into Bitcoin? Oh my God, think about how much higher Bitcoin is going to be if the richest man in the world starts buying it. Believe me, the richest man in the world doesn't need Bitcoin. What does he want to fool with Bitcoin for? And people probably think, oh, and if Elon Musk, the richest man, starts buying Bitcoin, well, all the other billionaires are going to buy it too. They're all going to copy Elon Musk And they're going to buy Bitcoin. None of this is going to happen. This is all pie in the sky nonsense. You know, the Bitcoin rally and the GameStop rally, it's all the same thing. It's all the same dynamic. In fact, I think that the Bitcoin experience really is what set the stage for this. I mean, the fact that worthless cryptocurrencies, you know, or digital tokens could rally, hey, anything goes. If people will buy Bitcoin, hell, they'll buy anything. I mean, I think that was really the inspiration and the motivation. You know, I wrote a commentary out today, and I don't know, I haven't seen anybody else making this comparison, but it really reminded me of the Mel Brooks uh, play, uh, which is also a movie, The Producers. And if you haven't actually seen this uh, movie, I would recommend that you you watch it. It is very funny. But the story of the producers is you get a bunch of guys that are doing a play and they know that most Broadway plays flop and the investors lose money. So their idea is, hey, let's just oversell this thing. Let's just get a lot more investors. Maybe we'll sell 100 people 25% of the play. I don't remember the exact Uh, math of it but they kept overselling shares and the idea was when the play flops we'll just tell everybody they lost their money and we'll just keep all the money because we're raising a lot more money than we actually need to fund the production right now in order to make sure that the play was a flop they deliberately tried to create the worst play they can come up with which was springtime uh, for Hitler and unfortunately it was a wild success You know, which was the worst thing that could have possibly happened uh, was that they had a successful show. And now they had all these investors who were expecting to get paid. And of course, they couldn't pay them because, you know, because of the fraud. Well, this is really what happened uh, with uh, these shorts. I mean, they had all these horrible companies that they shorted. And it's precisely because the companies were so bad that they attracted so many shorts. And because there were so many people that were short, it made them ripe for the short squeeze. So they ended up losing money. And the stocks that ended up doing the best are the companies that are doing the worst. These are the best performing stocks in the market are the worst performing companies. So it's just like uh, springtime for Hitler. You know, they, they, they thought they had the worst play. They tried to make the worst play. And it ended up being a phenomenal hit. Meantime, Bitcoin was not able to hold on to that spectacular rise. In fact, after getting about to 38,000, it actually sold back down uh, below 34,000. So it almost surrendered the entirety of the Musk rally. As I'm recording this, it's back above 35,000. But, you know, I watched again the premium, the uh, premium for um, uh, GBTC. In fact, at one point during the day, it went to a discount So I still think there's a lot of pressure on Bitcoin, Uh, the uh, Elon Musk tweet notwithstanding. In fact, another uh, billionaire, Dalio, came out on Reddit uh, with an explanation of what he actually believes about Bitcoin, because he said there's a lot of false information that is out there about my views on Bitcoin, and he tried to clarify it. I read it, didn't really clarify much, but to me, he still seems like he's leaving a window open, a possibility that he might buy Bitcoin, but only with a small amount of money and with the expectation that he could lose most of it, but he may be willing to take a flyer on it. I still think he doesn't quite get it. If he did, he wouldn't even bother to take a flyer because there's no way this thing is going to fly. It's going to collapse. The only question is when. Just like uh, with GameStop. It doesn't matter how high it goes in the short run. In the long run, it's the intrinsic value of the company that's going to determine the price, which is dramatically lower than it is right now, if not zero. And the same thing applies to Bitcoin.